my generation, usually you were named after somebody in the family, like Richie, you were named after Paul. My father's twin, my mother's brother. That's the way it went. And I'm Erna because Daddy was Ernest. During that era, they did that because I think it was a signal of... Uh, Oh, affection for the family. Right, right, that particular person. I'm Margaret Pothig, and this is Keeping Dad Alive. That's my Aunt Erna and my dad, Richie, talking about how babies used to get their names. At 87, Aunt Erna is nine years younger than my dad, who just turned 96. Well, you think back, we're living the life of Riley because, you know, life back then was hard. I mean, we didn't know the difference. Well, maybe you did. I didn't. Life was carefree for me. I mean, as long as I had clothes and food, I never thought of it as a hardship. The theme of this season of the podcast is vocation, a word my dad used a lot when I was growing up. Vocation can mean simply a job. You know, what my grandfather Ernest did to put pork chops on the table. I didn't think of it either as a hardship until I got away and looked at other people's lives. I said, how in the world? I said, you know, Mom... Always wanted to be a middle class, okay. I think of my grandmother Henrietta's aspirations to be middle class as vocation too, perhaps closer on the spectrum toward vocation as a calling, a message about your purpose in life that comes from within or from God if you are religiously inclined. And after examining my dad's story and the story of his family, I can see how the vocation of both his parents determined the course of his life. It really amazing is it's on our dad's birthday. I know it. That's Last right. February, on what would have been my grandfather Ernest's 130th birthday, really I recorded a rare call between Erna and my dad. Memory, recalling, calling of our dear father, you know. My dad wanted to talk to his sister about what she remembered about their father, because while my dad was pursuing his vocation, it was Erna who took care of Ernest for 20 years, beginning the day of his accident when she was only 12 years old. Well, I was the one that found him. He came home. They wanted to take him to the hospital, and he would not do that because I was home alone. See? And I found him on the, I found him on the couch that we had. He was, it was terrible. It was blood and vomit all over the place. Their mother, Henrietta, was in the hospital. She had lived with tuberculosis for more than 25 years, and it had taken its toll on her. So, Mommy, we had to go and get her from St. Joseph's and bring her home. It was in freezing cold weather. My dad came home from college. It was only a couple weeks before the Christmas holiday. Henrietta went back into the hospital, and Ernest got his head examined, so to speak. He had fractured his skull and would suffer epileptic seizures from the injury. He would not be going back to work. They went before a boy. Richie, you would know that. They went before... Yeah, he did. He did. They went to the boy, yeah. And then they decide how much money... They're going to give this man a week for his accident. I see. And the amount of money was $28 a week. That, oh, wow. that, that was what we got, 28 bucks a week. And did you live in an apartment with him on $28 a week after your mom died? How did you manage that? Times were different back then. You know, a loaf of bread was 10 cents. You know? My dad went back to college, and Henrietta died a few months after Ernest's accident. 
I've often wondered about my dad's decision to return to college, given the circumstances his father and his sister were in and the job opportunities he had in New York. He'd already shown he could succeed wherever he landed. After graduating from high school at 16, he went to work as a stock boy at Beston Company, a department store on Fifth Avenue. It wasn't long before he convinced them to promote him to salesman in the men's department. He worked on commission and was very successful. I can imagine him charming the customers, wearing the blue Harris tweed suit he'd bought with his employee discount. But then a friend of the family got him a job with Fred Waring in the music sales department. There he hobnobbed with glamorous entertainers. Welcome to the Fred Waring Show. Fred Waring and his Pennsylvanians broadcasting from Radio City in New York. Here to greet you on this nice cool Tuesday is your host, Fred Waring. I have no doubt he would have worked his way up in the entertainment industry if it had appealed to him. That was good, gentlemen. This is Fred Waring and all the Pennsylvanians up and ready with another in our series sponsored on Tuesdays and Thursdays at this time by the American... I had a difficult time taking off from the, from the family, okay, and heading out to school, I felt that I was really leaving him at a very difficult time. And and when I left... But you never considered dropping out of school. I know. And I, and I said to myself, once I do, that'll be the end. Because then I'll have to stay home. I'll have to, I will have to get a job, and that would do it. I had my focus where I wanted to be. And I said, I got to get through this. And then, of course, when I went to the hospital room, when she had died, and the Irish lady being in the bed next to her said she... said Did she, That I, I, woman that Henrietta shared her hospital room with told Dad that his mother, in her final days, talked about how proud she was of him and that she wanted him to become a minister. Become a minister, she said. This Irish lady, only an Irish Catholic, probably. So I just said, that's what it's going to be. And I got to do that. After college, my dad went to Union Theological Seminary, where he met my mom, and then they moved to Tonawanda near Buffalo, New York, where they started a new Presbyterian church. And the story of how my dad fulfilled his vocation, his mother's aspirations for him to become a minister, could have ended there, but it didn't, because he had another calling, one that came from his father. I always wondered how. Mommy and Dad got together, two entirely different personalities. My mother was more educated, let me put it that way, than my my father just went to eighth grade. Eighth grade back then was like graduating from high school now. Don't you think, Richie, that Mommy... Yeah, your mother was different because she she had different aspirations. And, you know, this is one of the issues I wanted to raise with you. They had different aspirations and different temperaments. My dad says he never saw Ernest get into arguments with anyone. He was a quiet man who didn't make demands, but it was not the same with Henrietta. What would she do, Aunt Ernest? Well, I mean, she'd give you a crack is what you got. <laughs> Did she spank you guys? Me, anyway. I was the one. Well, I, no, no, she didn't get angry at me. <laughs> oh, because you were Mr. Goody Shoes. Are you kidding me? Please, why can't you be more like your brother? (laughs) (laughs) By her own admission, Aunt Erna was the feisty one. Perhaps she took after her mother. 
Henny loved parties and costumes and lived by the motto, laugh and the world laughs with you. And yes, she had higher aspirations for her children than Ernest did. She enrolled my father in Goodwill Sunday School, used homemade flashcards and a firm hand to teach Erna math, and always made sure her children were impeccably dressed. In contrast, Ernest would take Dad fishing in the Bronx and crabbing on the rocks under the George Washington Bridge. Baseball was his religion, and he was a devout and avid fan of the New York Giants, a team my dad still declares allegiance to, even after the team moved to San Francisco. Hey, uh, which of your kids do you think was most like Ernest? Aunt Erna married a devout Roman Catholic and had seven children. Oh, no. No, he was one of a kind, huh? Yeah, well, he's a good person, but... um, you know, he was just a worker. What can I say? You know, he 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 lived a regimented kind of life. He went to work. He came home. He went back to work. I mean, you know. My grandfather Ernest worked nights at the Loose Wiles Biscuit Company. They made a popular cracker called Sunshine Biscuits. And his job was to clean out the sugar and butter from the machines. And before that, he took care of the delivery horses. Back in those days when he started work, they used regular uh, horses for, for right. delivery, okay? He took care of the horses, okay? Right, right. right. And therefore, when he ended up uh, into the war, they transferred him because he didn't know how to deal with horses to the cavalry because actually that saved his life because the 67th took some really bad, bad, bad deaths. And he was lucky in that regiment that he got shifted out to the cavalry. It's kind of funny when you think back, a city kid taking care of horses, you know, I mean, <laughs> when you think about it. When Ernest returned from the war, he met my grandmother, Henrietta, and they fell in love. Because she had tuberculosis, Ernest did everything he could to make her life easier. Desperate for a cure, Henrietta spent several seasons at the sanatorium at Saranac Lake in upstate New York. It was before they got married, but my dad thinks Ernest helped pay for it. During their marriage, Ernest did all the laundry, and in those days, it was hard work. He used a washboard, wrung the water out of each piece by hand, and hung it all out on the line to dry. When Erna was born in 1934, Ernest moved the family to a second-floor apartment in a different tenement building, so Henny wouldn't have to climb five flights of stairs carrying a baby. To reduce the rent, he did the janitorial work. There's a family photo taken on the roof of that tenement building that I just love. Henny must have taken it because it's just of Ernest and the kids. Ernest is holding baby Erna, and her black hair, like her attitude, is sticking straight up from the top of her head like a mohawk. He's got a head of thick black hair, too, and it accentuates his lean and angular face and his small, muscular body. It's a casual photo, but there's an immense amount of dignity in this photo. Ernest in an immaculate white undershirt and bleached white rolled-up pants, and Erna in a new white cotton diaper sitting on top of the taut white canvas cover of a folding changing table, stand out against the backdrop of the smoky Manhattan skyline, brick chimney, and black tar roof. I imagine that Ernest, squinting at the camera with just a hint of a smile, was locking eyes with Henny through the lens, saying to her, We did this.
And this is probably important because you raised this question, you know, about my father's work. How do these people, first of all, they probably don't think about calling or anything like that. They're just getting their job, and that's part of the issue. They're getting their jobs, like my dad did, to feed the family. And he has a son that he wants to be part of that stream, okay, to make sure that he feeds the family. Now, I had to make that decision. I said, I know what's going to happen if I, if I, if I have to take that road. I know where I'm going to be. I'll be like my father. That's what will happen to me. And why couldn't my dad have been more like his father? I wonder if Ernest ever asked himself that question. According to dad, his father never opposed his decisions. By all accounts, Ernest was content with, perhaps even grateful for, what he had. Even my mother pointed this out in a description of a visit Ernest made to the family in 1956. Dad came to see us about the middle of May and stayed for a month. Wow. He looked well and he ate heartily and washed the dishes (laughs) and the car with great enthusiasm. Aunt Erna had packed a bag full of new sports shirts, but they went home as as new as they came. (laughs) Aunt Erna cared for Ernest in the same way he had cared for her. Yeah, I got everything out of him. I hate to put that way. I mean, he was a sucker for me. I could get anything I wanted out of him. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> you told Tom you were a package deal with your dad, right? That's exact, well, that's what I told him. You want to marry me, you got to take my father, too. Well, I, I couldn't leave him alone. I mean, there's no way I could leave him alone. Uh, he was a good man, though, you know. As for my dad, he carried his father with him, too, though Ernest never knew it. My dad went on to focus his career on carrying out the social creed of the Presbyterian Church to bring justice for working people, to reach people like his father, even if he was not able to reach Ernest himself. It was good talking to you too, guys. Hey, hey, hey. we'll say happy birthday, uh, Ernie. Okay. Happy birthday. I'm going to say goodbye right. to you, sweetie. Oh, okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. The music in this podcast is Phase 3 by Zylo Zico and The Fred Waring Show, broadcast on September 23rd, 1947.